Let's go ahead and get going. I want to ask you, do you have anything in your life right now that's uh, messing with you? Like, is there anything going on right now that's attempting to disrupt or shake your faith? It's like you're going good, you know, you're following the Lord, and you're, you and God are doing great, but right now you feel a little bit rattled. Like, what is that? Now, I've been at EBF long enough to know that it's probably one of two things. There are going to be a lot of things, but one of two things is probably the most predominant. It's either a relationship or an uncertain future. If it's a relationship, it's probably something like, you know, things aren't going so well in your marriage. Most of you are not married, so you're thinking things might not go so well in your dating relationship. Most of you probably don't have a dating relationship. So you're probably going, things aren't going so well in a lack of dating relationship. So you're like, God, where are you? When's this going to happen? The other thing that kind of messes with your faith and shakes you up a bit is you've got an uncertain future. You don't know what's going to happen next. You're crying out, God, what's your will? And where you're at right now, you thought you'd be further along. You thought you'd be in a different location, different everything. And things aren't working out so well right now. And so you're like, man, what is going on? Is this what God really wants from me? God, is this what we're supposed to be doing right now? Man, I don't know what's happening next. And so it's just rattling you a bit. So what, what is that? This morning... I'm going to talk to you about unwavering faith with an asterisk. Unwavering faith with an asterisk. And the reason why I'm putting an asterisk on there is because I want to qualify or further explain this unwavering faith. Because many of you have been misled, perhaps by me or by others, into thinking that unwavering faith means perfect faith. That if you truly believe it's going to be perfect, you're never going to waver, you're never going to doubt, you're never going to be rattled, and you think, oh, I just give up because I don't have faith like so-and-so in here who's got perfect faith. No, 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 no. Here's the reality. At times, your faith can be very, very shaky. But the object of your faith is never shaky. Your faith can be very uncertain, but God is very certain. You feel like your world's crumbling, you know, what's, what's going on inside, and God is a very firm foundation. And it's going to be beautiful what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see this unwavering faith with an asterisk who looks to our God who does not waver. And we're going to look again in the Bible as we're going through Romans. So go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now I just want to tell you that I do not enjoy very much preaching up here. I feel out of my comfort zone, and when I get uncomfortable, I speed up. And I want to get it over with. So I just want to let you know that we're going to be flying today because I just want to get down. I don't want to be up here. Now, the very I'll, I'll kind of get it all out of my system here at first. We are going to go so fast here at the beginning, no joke. And then we're going to slow down a little bit if I'm able. And we're going to look at some really cool stuff. But where we've been so far in Romans 4, if you remember, is that Abraham is justified by 
faith and not by works. Thank you. It wasn't his efforts that gained him right standing for God, but it was through faith alone. And what we're going to see is that you and I, we should have that kind of faith as well. Very similar faith to Abraham. We should walk in his footsteps. Now, we're going to cover Romans 4, 9 through 17 really, really fast because it's the same argument Paul's been making all along that Abraham's true children have faith. Whether you're a Jew, circumcised, or here the Gentiles, uncircumcised, whoever believes is justified by faith. So we're going to speed read Romans 4, 9 through 17. Hold on, let's go. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteous that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Okay, quick summary. Abraham had faith, justified, declared righteous in God's sight way before he was circumcised. And his circumcision was a seal and confirmed the righteousness that he had by faith. He was declared righteous through faith alone, and salvation will continue to be through faith alone, as we say over and over again. It's not through law-keeping, but rests firmly on grace through faith. You're not saved by works, but by grace through faith. There's only one way of salvation, and that is through faith in Jesus alone. And so Abraham's true children are those who believe. Here's the deal. When you believed in that moment, in that instant, I don't know how it all works, but then you were declared righteous in God's sight, not because of your works, but through faith in Jesus. And then what happens? Your justifying faith goes on a journey. You don't go on a journey so that you will be justified. You're already justified through faith in Christ alone, declared righteous. But then your faith goes on a journey. And in that journey, you will face a lot of challenges. So what we're going to look at is Romans 4, 18 through 25. And this is kind of where we're going to slow down a bit. I'm going to try to slow down and get a picture of the kind of faith you're supposed to have. Initially and continually. It's, it's an imitation of Abraham's faith. You're walking in the footsteps of Abraham. We're going to look at the quality and the characteristics of his faith. What is his faith like? It says unwavering faith. What does that mean? So if you're following along in the U version, or if you're taking notes just to keep you organized, we're going to look at four characteristics of faith. Number one, faith is locked in on God and not the circumstances. 
Faith is locked in on God and not the circumstances. Let's see it. Romans 4, verse 17. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. You guys remember the promise to Abraham? Hey, guess what, Abraham? You're going to have an heir, and you have many descendants. In fact, they're going to cover the earth like the, the sand or the stars. And Abraham's like, all right, I, I, I believe that, though he had no reason really to hope in his circumstances. And so the Bible tells us, in hope, he believed against hope. His body was as good as dead. He's a really old guy. You know, he's, he's about 100 years old, and his wife is old and had been barren. They've had no kids, and God says, you're going to have an heir, you. Now, I'm 42, and I have a hard time with little ones in my house. I can't imagine being 100 and having a promise that I'm going to have a kid. Everything will be speaking against that reality, and the Bible says, in hope, He believed against hope. So you have the circumstances screaming, there is no hope at all. And yet, he's hopeful. Why? He's not locked in on his circumstances. He's locked in on God. If God's the one that said it, then it must happen, regardless of what he sees in the physical. And look what it says again. It says, in the presence of God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So he's believing that God is going to bring life from death. What's dead? Well, he's like 100. His wife's like 90. They've never had a kid before. Okay, God, just bring life from this dead situation. He also believes that God's going to call descendants into the existence, just like God created the world out of nothing and just called it into life. He's going to do the same way. He's going to give them an heir, a boy, descendants, a nation, fill the earth. He believed it. And yet, he hadn't seen any of it. (laughs) He hadn't seen nothing. And yet he believed the promises of God. Some of you right now have circumstances that are screaming no hope at all. And that's all you see. That's all you think about in your thought loop in your head. That's all you talk about when you meet with other people. You tell others how hard your life is and how hopeless it is because all you're looking at is what you see. That's where you're locked in. As my brothers and sisters, I'm not saying, you know what? You just need to be positive. You need to get a better attitude. And if you have enough faith, then everything's going to get turned around. I'm not not saying that to you at all. I'm saying, look, man. You gotta look at God. You gotta look at what He promises in His Word. You gotta be locked on His promises, not your circumstances. And I wanna just tell you some of those promises in case you have forgotten. If you're a believer in Jesus, the promise of God tells you, you know what, one day you're gonna be with Him in heaven. No more pain, no more suffering. And I know right now that's, that's kind of your reality. That's why you gotta trust Him. Okay, God, those are your promises. This junk is going to end one day. 
I'm going to believe it. And what else? What else? God promises that he justifies you by faith in Jesus. You're declared righteous. And yet, God knows what you did last night. And your reality is still sin. And yet, you trust him for forgiveness and grace to move forward. Another thing that God promises in his word is that he promises that right now you are completely accepted. He promises right now you may be tired and worn out, but God promises that if you serve other people, you'll be rewarded. Right now, I'll tell you what, my wife and I have been talking about this. I'm, we have about had it with child number six. <laughs> That boy is going to kill me. I said, God, I need some grace here. I need some energy here to serve. I need to believe your promises that this is worthwhile. I believe your promises that there's going to be. I got to believe God's word when Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. I got to believe that. So all types of promises in the word of God. The Bible promises that God's working for your good. That's a promise. He's working for your good right now, no matter what. You may be experiencing divorce, infertility, unemployment, major setbacks. You may just be playing out bored with your life because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The Bible says, promise, he is working for your good. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? No matter what's going on, he's working for your good. You kind of get what I'm getting at? That you're supposed to be locked in on God and his promises. Rather than your circumstances. Not trying to ignore the stuff that's going on, but say, God, you're bigger than that. You promise greater things than that. Number two, what's faith look like? Well, number two says that faith is unwavering, but not perfect. Faith is unwavering, but not perfect. Look at Romans 4, 20. Look what Paul says. He's talking about Abraham, by the way. He says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Really? What version of the Bible is Paul reading? Because when I read the Bible and I see the story of Abraham, I I see some faith that's not so firm all the time. You ever read the Bible before? If you have, you should read the story of Abraham. You say, Abraham got the promise of an heir, and his wife had an idea. He said, you know what? We're getting old. This is not working out so well. We're not having a kid. I got a solution. I have this slave. Her name is Hagar. Why don't you and her have a baby, and that will be an heir? And Abraham's like, oh, I guess that will work. Maybe that's God's solution to my problem here. So Abraham came up with the Hagar solution. God, you gave me the promise that I was going to have an heir, But I have a better idea. It is my Hagar solution. And if you ever read the Bible, that didn't work out so well. And yet Paul says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. How can Paul say that? Because when we talk about unwavering faith, we're not talking about perfect faith. Abraham's overall trajectory is one of trust, confidence, and the promise of God. And yet, from time to time, he does 
foolish things. It's not perfect faith, but God's perfect. And Abraham's faith overall is unwavering. He's moving in a certain direction. He might have momentary doubt, as you have. He may have lapses, as you have. But his overall trajectory is one of unwavering faith and steadfastness of God and his promises. And I realize that some of you are kind of, right now, you're stuck in a momentary lapse. You're stuck. Okay, let me just call it this. You can just write this down forever in your life, and you can use it in your everyday conversation. Some of you right now are trying to pull off your own Hagar solution. Yeah? You feel like God has led you a certain way, he's given you certain promises, but it's not going the way you want to. It's not going fast enough. So you have come up with your own Hagar solution. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me just ask a question. How many of you are dating someone right now you're not supposed to be dating? Let me see hands. All right, yeah. You're like, I brought them here, okay? (laughs) This is not going to work well. You know what you're supposed to be doing, who you're supposed to be dating, and you're not supposed to be dating, and you know what you're doing right now is not. It's your Hagar solution. And it it, it just plays out in everybody's life, right? It it really does. I mean, for for some of you, it's it's like you're not content where you're at, and so you want to change your job. You want to move again and again? I mean, I mean, how many of you have changed your major like 10 times? I mean, it's like, it's your Hagar solution. You're like, God, it, it gets too hard. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to swap. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. If I don't like this church, I'll move to the next one. God, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to come up with a fix on my own. It's my Hagar solution. How's that working for you, Abraham? It's not working out so good, huh? In the long run, it won't. That's why we need to have this unwavering faith in the promise of God that he has the best solutions in mind for you. Yes, we may get lapsed. We may try Hagar's solution, but on a whole, God and his promises, that needs to be our trajectory. That is where we need to head. All right. The third quality characteristic of faith is that faith is strengthened as glory is given to God. Number three, faith is strengthened as glory is given to God. Look at Romans 4, verse 20. Paul says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham, his initial faith counted him as righteousness, but it says that he grew strong in his faith as he waited for the fulfillment of the promise of God. Do you know how much time lapsed between the promise of an heir and the actual fulfillment? Like the first time God brought up descendants and a nation and sand of, you know, the sea and stars. Of the sky. Do you want to know how much time lapsed between the promise And when the baby arrived, I mean, you're not going to believe this. Are you ready for this? 25 years. How are you with waiting? 25 years. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have an heir. 
Year one, no baby. Year two, no baby. Year three, no baby. And on and on and on and on. About 25, where's the baby? And yet the Bible says, his faith grew strong in the uncertainty, the disappointments, I'm sure the pain of no descendant, his faith grew strong. And the question you want to say is, is how? How? Well, the answer is in a Kelly Clarkson song, of course. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller, all right? No, that's not the solution. I love bringing stuff up each week that's not in the Bible, that people think are in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, 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 no. Look what the text says, verse 20. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Well, how did he give glory to God? By being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Huh. So here's his heart. God, you're going to do it. It's year 10, but you're going to do it. Year 20, God, you're going to do it. You're going to bring life out of these dead bodies. You're going to going to create descendants out of nothing. God, you are going to do it. God, you will pull it off. And over the years, his faith was growing strong. The more and more he said, God, you're going to do it. More and more as the years passed, God, you're going to do it. He grew confident as he gave glory to God and his faith was strengthened. It's like working out. In fact, it's like working out and lifting weights. I hate lifting weights. I'm, I was a tennis player back in the day. We don't do weights. That's why we're so puny and little. We don't do weights. And one of my least favorite weights to do, or whatever you want to call them, is the, the bench press. I don't get it. Does it make sense? But it works like this. You push up, and there's nowhere for it to go. So it comes back down on you. <laughs> and then what do you do? You push up again. And then it comes back down on you again. And you do this over and over again. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Oh, it's to build muscle. It's to build strength. That's what happens in your life. A temptation comes your way. Say, hey, do you want to do this? And so it pushes on you. And you say, no, no, no. I'm going to trust the promise of God here and say no. And so you push up. And the next time it gets a little harder, right? It pushes down again. It says, no, no, come on. You really want to do this? No, I'm going to, no, I don't. I'm going to trust in God here. And you push up. And then maybe later on, your, your, your future circumstances are not turning out. So it's like push on you and it comes down. You say, no, I'm going to trust God with my future. And you push up and it comes down again and you push. And each time you find yourself getting a little stronger, the days pass, citations come. Okay, I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to trust God in a situation. And your faith is growing stronger. And what you're doing is you are giving glory to God. God, you're going to do it. God, you're my solution. And your faith grows strong. Now, I know some of you don't like to work out physically. But most of us kind of have a distaste from time to time about working out spiritually. But you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow strong 
and there are going to be challenges and temptations that are going to push on you, and you will grow as you're disciplined to learn how to push back and trust in the promises of God. Okay, the last one, this is for us as believers, is faith is centered on the work of God and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Faith is centered on the work of God and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, it connects to us now. Look at Romans 4, 23 through 25. Let's finish it up. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I love how the Bible is connecting Abraham's faith with our faith. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are exercising a similar faith to Abraham's. And these words says, it was counted to him or recorded not only for Abraham, but for us who put our faith in Jesus. As he was justified, declared righteous through faith, so are we through faith in Christ. And I like it that it says, Abraham believed that God could bring life from the dead. Anybody else believe that God could bring life from the dead? Yeah, me, believers, believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And Abraham also says that, oh, yeah, Abraham believed that God would create something out of nothing, right? Out of nothing, he would create descendants. Oh, by the way, this morning at the Orrington Hotel in Evanston, Illinois, in 2014, are children of Abraham. Wow. You're part of that fulfillment. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. And yet we stand, and here we stand, in the same faith that Abraham have similar characteristics. The point I'm getting at here at the end is if you're wavering in your faith, feel like things are messing with you right now, you don't know where to turn, let me encourage you to do this. Go back to where you started. Go back to Jesus. Go back to his death bearing your sins. Go back to his resurrection securing your justification. Go back to the simple truth of Christ. Return to your first love. If you're wavering, things are not off, you don't have a solution, go back to the beginning, to the simple gospel message. You are accepted in Christ through faith. Go back to Christ. And I want to end with a five-word prayer. It's a great five-word prayer. If you are here this morning with this unwavering faith with an asterisk, which we all are, I have a five-word prayer for you. If your faith is moving at an overall trajectory of trusting God from time to time, you think you have these great Hagar solutions, or you're locked in on your circumstances, or you don't want to work out spiritually, I have a prayer for you. And this prayer comes from a story. And so I'm going to tell you the story. It goes like this. There was once a father who had a son who was possessed by a demon. Feel free to tell your kids a story at night. So there's his son who was possessed by a demon. And the, the boy would often foam at the mouth, grind his teeth, right? And he'd become very rigid. And so the man brings this boy to Jesus' disciples. He says, can you heal him, cast out this demon? And Jesus' disciples are bums. They can't pull it off. They can't do it. Jesus comes on the scene, tries to figure out what's going on, and, and the reality is the disciples are like, we can't deal with this, we can't cast this out. And Jesus is like, you guys are just faithless. Where's the dad at? Oh, here's the dad. And so the, Jesus says, okay, 
how long has this been going on with your boy? Her dad says, man, it's been going on since he was really little. Sometimes when this demon would get in him, the demon would try to throw him into the fire to kill him. Or sometimes the demon would try to throw him into the water to drown him. He's like, Jesus, I am desperate. If you can do anything, please, please get rid of this demon if you can. And Jesus is like, if I can. And then he says, all things are possible to him who believes. And then the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. And in response to his faith, Jesus cast out the demon and the boys healed. Isn't that a great prayer? I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, God, that you can pull it off. I believe that you are sovereign. You're my savior. You're going to give me a breakthrough. I believe. And yet I'm kind of shaky here. I have some doubts. Things are messing with me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling, thinking too straightly. I come up with my own Hagar solutions. Help my unbelief. That is a great prayer. I think it's a prayer that all of us should pray consistently, time to time, through massive struggles, through uncertainties. I believe. Help my unbelief. Where are you trusting the Lord for right now for a resurrection in your life? Where are you trusting the Lord right now to bring something out of nothing? What is the situation? What is the area? I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's pray. I just want to invite you right now to pray this prayer to God. Tell him that, tell him, I believe, I believe, I believe that you're good. I believe that you're sovereign. Tell him that you believe that he's working for your good. Tell him that you believe that you're justified through faith. Tell him that you believe. And whether there's areas in your life right now that you're trusting God for resurrection in a certain area or to create something out of nothing, whether it's a broken relationship or pain or depression or freedom from a sin, ask him to help your unbelief. Where you're wavering and shaky, say, God, help my unbelief. Father, help us to trust you. You have our best in mind. Not only have you saved us in Jesus, you're working all things for our good. Help our unbelief. May we stand strong on your promises and be unwavering. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up uh, this morning's offering. And as we do this offering, if the ushers want to get ready, what we want to do, we're going to kind of focus on the grace of God. It's forgiving grace, but it's a grace that enables us to stand and to persevere. And we're going to sing a very familiar hymn that you've heard probably growing up. But think about the words that you're singing as we're trying to stand on this grace of God that enables us to persevere in faith.